Have you heard about the coronavirus? <laughs> of course you have. It's the lead story every day. Despite what's happening in the world with crises and fears, it's the lead story because so far around the world, 1,500 people or more have died from this and thousands more have been diagnosed with coronavirus. And there's the quarantine ship off the coast of Japan with hundreds of people who've been uh, infected by coronavirus. Coronavirus is a respiratory illness uh, with pneumonia-like symptoms uh, that originated in the central province in China and had, it has been spreading across the world. That's why it's called a pandemic. The World Health Organization, the U.S. government, they've both declared public health emergencies. So, standard precautions against coronavirus are familiar to us. Wash your hands. Cover your mouth and nose when coughing or sneezing. Make sure you thoroughly cook your meat and your eggs. And we're also asked to avoid close contact with anyone who is showing signs of respiratory illness like coughing and sneezing. So, unfortunately, in some parts of the world, coughing or sneezing on public transportation has become as threatening as pulling out a gun. People are fearful about this. What would Jesus say about coronavirus? Probably wash your hands and cover your mouth and be considerate of others. Uh, the coronavirus may raise our fears and it may generate a public panic around the world, but Many experts are saying the main thing you can do is go get a flu shot. Right, Brian Timms, who works in infectious disease? Mostly, go get your flu shot because that's how we can be preventive. We have uh, a crazy world in which we live. We live with virus and dangers and uncertainties, and we're susceptible to a lot. And our calling is to keep trying to follow Jesus. There's something else threatening us in these days, and especially in our culture, and it also starts with a C. How about contempt? Contempt. Here's what the dictionary says. Contempt, a noun, the feeling that a person or thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. Contempt is a pattern of attitudes and behavior, often toward an individual or a group, or sometimes towards an ideology, which has the characteristics of disgust, anger. The word originated in 1393 from the Latin word contemptus, meaning scorn. We keep talking about the crisis of the coronavirus, but we ought to be talking about the crisis of contempt which has become so pervasive in our culture. Listen to this. The world's leading expert on marital reconciliation is Dr. John Gottman, a psychologist at the University of Washington. Over the course of his work, Gottman has studied thousands of married couples, and after watching a couple interact for just one hour, he can predict with 94% accuracy whether the couple will divorce within three years. How does he tell? 
It's not from the anger that the couples express. Anger doesn't predict separation or divorce. The biggest warning signs he explains are indicators of contempt. These include sarcasm, sneering, hostile humor, and worst of all, eye-rolling. These little acts effectively say, you're beneath me. You're worthless to the one person a spouse should love more than any other. Want to see if a couple will end up in divorce court? Watch them discuss a contentious topic and see if either partner rolls his eyes, Gottman says. Why do they do that? Why? The answer is that it's a habit. It's a habit, and that habit is tearing their marriage apart, and like a couple on the rocks, in our society, in politics, we have a contempt habit. Don't believe it? Turn on primetime cable TV. Watch how they talk. Look at Twitter, if you dare. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself talking about a politician that you don't like. We're all guilty of contempt. It's a habit, and it's tearing our society apart. That comment comes from Albert Brooks, who teaches at Harvard. Do you think Jesus has anything to say about contempt? Oh, yes. You bet. Jesus picks right up on what's all through the Hebrew Scriptures and what God says about how we should treat each other, how we should relate to each other. Jesus says that those who seek to follow Him are called to live to a higher standard, even higher than the law of Moses. Listen to these words from the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. And Jesus continues. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes. Or, no, no, anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. So I think these are good days to ponder what Jesus might be saying about the distinctive way of being Jesus' followers. 
think these are good days to be thinking about our higher calling to live this distinctive life as God's people. And Jesus' words are actually just picking up on Paul's words, which we heard in our first lesson. Paul's admonishing the church, especially in Corinth, to remember that they're servants. And they're to work together, not against each other. We're to build on what we have in common, not maintaining terse divisions. Jesus urges, but I say to you. And his words are a stark contrast to the pervasive sarcasm and sneering and hostile humor and vicious mocking and eye-rolling that have become all too commonplace in our life together. I think we know we know on our better days, on our best days, we know what brings life. We know what brings hope. We know what brings community and wholeness. It's compassion and it's cooperation and it's communication and it's care. We know this. Then why do we have such a hard time staying focused on this? Why are we seemingly so far and further and further away from this. So inclined to driving wedges between people and maximizing differences instead of building alliances. Why do we have such a propensity to condemn? Why are we so good at eye-rolling, contempt, Our word today, friends, is not contempt. It's esteem. Esteem is my best effort to summarize what Jesus and Paul are talking about in these two passages that we have and for these desperate times. Esteem is an antonym for contempt. Esteem intends always to be at the heart of Christian life, esteem for self, esteem for others, esteem for God and what God might intend for the whole world. Jesus says, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. I say to you, you, if you are angry, you are liable to judgment. Jesus is calling us. Jesus is expecting us. Jesus is asking us to be distinctive in how we live and break this cycle of viciousness in our world because it leads to death. And as Jesus speaks here, he keeps addressing our deep tendency to bear grudges, to demean people, to look down on them, to live with contempt. He's addressing that. He speaks about our tendency to call people names, which has become so commonplace. The source of all these problems is rooted in this passage in a Greek word, orgizomenos. Orgizomenos means grudging. Jesus points out that we're all so good at living grudgingly. If we're not attentive if we're not focused, if we're not growing, if we're not clear about who we are 
and to whom we belong, we fall into contempt. We assume this is the way we're meant to live, demean others, belittle them, call them names, see people in a certain way, scorn. Jesus says, no, no. Not the way to live. That's the way of despair, and that's the way of death. Harsh words, demeaning ways, the tendency to demonize and treat with scorn, that leads to death. We're so inclined to live grudgingly, it leads to death. The Lord is always teaching a different way, a distinctive way, which reaches out, which goes to the brother or sister, which seeks to mend, seeks to make amends, seeks to make things right. Here's how uh, Bible commentator Dale Bruner puts it. The Lord does not want to talk to a disciple who does not want to talk to the disciple's brother or sister. God's people live differently. Not with contempt, but with esteem, compassion, commitment, grace, care. God's people intend to live reaching out, connecting, forgiving, supporting. We see contempt in the highest office in this land. We see contempt around our city. We see contempt in our places of work. Jesus asks and expects of us to break the cycle, to break the habit, the easy and the seemingly popular way to pick sides and demean the other and live with scorn. That's the way to death. What Jesus teaches, God's way to life, to wholeness, is rooted in esteem, grace, kindness, openness, esteem. It's a way of living, esteem for self, for God, for others, not contempt. It has to do with admiration, communication. Imagine treating others as we'd like to be treated. That's biblical too, by the way. Treating others how we'd like to be treated, not demeaning people, but reaching out in respect and care. We can't change the behavior of others. But we can work on our role in the conversation and our role in the dynamic. We can watch for contempt and strive for esteem. This is what we do. It's what our baptisms are about. This is who you belong to. This is how you live in the world. We remember our baptisms today and we seek to live into it, resisting the deathful ways that lead to scorn and Divisions, no, esteem and compassion and care. Here's the deal. We're called to live by faith. And faith means trusting in God and God's love that comes to us from the beginning of time. And living by faith means living with compassion and justice in the world. This is what Jesus teaches over and over How we stay focused on that, how we stay faithful in that, in a crisis of contempt, it's critical. We seek to live with esteem. Our bulletin reminds us every week we're all ministers. 
We all go from this place seeking to bear God's light in the world. This is who we are. This is what we do. We're agents of light and hope in a jagged and jaded world. So when truth and justice are in danger, and they are, Jesus reminds us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Jesus knows that community welfare is based on truthfulness and integrity. Jesus wants our speech to be straightforward. He urges us to do what we say we're going to do and be who we're called to be in the world. These things, friends, are in jeopardy in our time. We're called to be the distinctive people of God who carry out the vows we have made, who live into our baptisms, who love God and love God's people. We want to be the practice, prayerful people who reflect this even in the mess of life, even in the face of fear-mongering and white supremacy. We want to be the faithful people of God who live with esteem. It doesn't mean we can't get angry. It means how we live in our anger. It means how we relate to one another in the malignancies of our culture, the injustices that we see and that we see growing. We live by God's Spirit in the ways of Jesus with esteem and faithfulness. Here's how the great Oscar Romero put it. We all must decide in our own consciences what side we're going to take. God our Lord is offering us marvelous fruits if we let him sow in us that sprout which will produce prolific branches, the fruits of faithful life. This is God's plan. And that's why the church is the vineyard where God's kingdom will always be in crisis. Blessed are those who feel the crisis deeply and resolve it by committing themselves to God's work in the world. I am very glad uh, Romero says that precisely in this hour of crisis, many who were asleep have woken up and are at least asking where the truth is to be found. Look for it. For wherever there is something noble, something good, something just, there we find God. May God keep waking us up and filling us with esteem and moving us into the world to be agents of light and hope and wholeness. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise, to commit life, to trusting, to serving, to esteem. That, O oh God, is to abide forever. We seek that way, following Christ our Lord. Amen.